Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Because you've all, everyone's got a mountain, they got something in front of them that's very difficult. You got something in front of you that seems like insurmountable. The odds are just too, too, too great. Well, let me ask you, how big is your God? And really, seriously, how big is your God? Is he a small God? See, sometimes I, I limit God by my faith. It, it doesn't mean that he's, he's, un, you know, he's unchanged. He can't be affected by who he really is. But I love it when we respond in faith as Rahab did. He will move everything around you and shake the tree, and you're the only one left standing. How amazing is your love? Today on Truth in Christ, Joshua says, Bring out the woman and all that she has as you have sworn to her. Welcome to our Bible study for today. As Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 6 of the book of Joshua, we learn how Rahab and her household were saved during the Battle of Jericho. Her and her family coupled their faith in the God of Israel with the willingness to follow through on what God's message told them to do which was to stay in their house with the scarlet cord hanging from the window. Their faith was strengthened with their trust in Almighty God. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. Well, that is the God I serve, and he's a God of love, but he's also a God of justice, isn't he? If he's a God of love and that intensity, that means that he's also very serious about judgment as well, because he knows what's best for us, doesn't he? He knows what's best. And we get in trouble when we don't obey him. We suffer the consequences when we disobey God. So it was a temptation for them to touch the accursed thing, to steal, when God had said, everything in here belongs to me, guys. But all the silver and the gold, verse 19, and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat down. And then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Look up on the screen if you would. Here is a, a re- representation of after when they've done all this excavation. This is kind of what Jericho looked like, and you can see that it had two different walls, and it had an embankment around it. And this thing was pretty impregnable if you look at it. And then if you look at the next picture, this is even a more recent one where they've done some more digging and finding, and they find even between these two layers of these, you know, the upper part here and the lower part, there were houses along here, along the wall. And this is where Rahab would have lived. This is where the lower crust people would live. The upper crust would live up in here, up in this area, the fancy people with the Nikes and the you know, driving the Mercedes, you know, gold Mercedes Benz. 
But the people down here, these were the poor people. And we were told in the scripture in, in Joshua 2 that this is where Rahab lived. Somewhere down this area. She lived on the wall, right next to the wall, right? And so they utterly came in and utterly destroyed it. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, he says, go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. Because remember, they said, as long as your family's inside this house, this house, Rahab, the one that we crawled out of that night that we came with the scarlet rope, that very house, you must get everyone in there, because if they're not in there, they're going to die, because everyone has got to die. But anyone who's in that house is going to be saved. Sounds like the Passover, doesn't it? Do you find that hard in your heart to understand? God is serious. But notice, Joshua said to the young man, Go into the harlot's house from where there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in, and they brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside of the camp of Israel. But they burned this city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Now, it's interesting because as they excavated this site very thoroughly, they did find not only did the walls fall flat, they fell flat. And God could have used an earthquake. In 1927, there was an earthquake uh, up uh, north of that area that blocked off the, the Jordan River for like 21 hours. God could have used an earthquake, but he did an even greater miracle. If, if, if he did at all, if he even used an earthquake at all, the greater miracle is his timing is impeccable. Do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, that he spoke all things into existence? Everybody nod your head. You do believe that. You should. <laughs> right? And so he, if he did that, can he cause some shaking underneath the earth at the opportune moment? I think he can. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But even if he did, the timing was impeccable. The timing was impeccable. And the archaeological evidence, they've got like three feet of ash that they found where the place was burnt. This evidence is there. You can look it up yourselves. They found it. It was burnt. And they found these jars with the, with the grain still in them because they, 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 they were thinking they were going to be there for the long haul. But they didn't know in a week from now that they were all going to be, they were all going to be gone and this place was going to be burnt with fire. Burnt with fire. And one other interesting thing they found, I want you to look up at the screen here, because you, you may be thinking like I am, well, if the walls fell flat and Rahab's house was on the wall, then how did she survive? Well, it's interesting because they found in there, again, in the archaeological dig, somewhere over here on the north side, there's a small section of the wall that didn't fall flat. And they think that that's where Rahab's house was because it was the only place all around that thing that stood still and everything else around it fell flat. And there's evidence of it. It just fell flat. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty exciting. Because God made sure, even if he used an earthquake, even if he used an earthquake, I think he is big enough to say, I'm going to shield this little piece of earth, and I'm going to let everything else around it shake, and I'm just going to keep this section up because there are people in there that we've made a promise to. This woman is a faithful woman, and, and she is going to be in the very line of my son, Jesus Christ. Rahab. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Rahab the harlot. 
A man of Judah marries her. And then through that line comes Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? A woman of faith. The Bible still calls her Rahab the harlot, but I believe that she wasn't a harlot anymore. I don't know about you, but I think that's exciting. And I think that it's exciting that God can preserve you in the midst of a storm. In the midst of a storm. Have you been in a storm? There was an incident uh, many, uh, I don't know how many years ago now it's been. It's been about six or seven, eight, nine years now. I forget what hurricane. I think it was Hurricane Andrew that came down through Florida. And my mom, they, you know, she's been through many hurricanes. She's a seasoned hurricane veteran <laughs> down in Florida. I think it was Hurricane Charlie. And Hurricane Charlie, and it was in southwest Florida, and Hurricane Charlie was coming in. It came up in the Gulf of Mexico, and it was coming in, and the meteorologists are freaking out because this thing has like 145 miles an hour sustained winds, and it was going to make direct landfall in Cape Coral, Florida. My mom, she's experienced some heavy-duty storms. She's in a closet with my brother and his wife, or her, their granddaughter, and they're looking at this thing through a battery-operated black-and-white television that they've got in there, and they're watching the meteorology, the meteorologists talk about this as it's coming in. And right at the last minute, I'm not kidding, right before this thing makes landfall, there are a bunch of us here in the church praying. I remember that day. We were sitting right back there. A group of us were praying for my mom and the people down there in Florida. And uh, <laughs> so this thing is coming right at Cape Coral, and at the last second, the thing shoots up, it moves north, and then moves inward, and you probably have heard of the devastation of Punta Gorda. It went right in by Boca Grande and just leveled uh, Punta Gorda. It was going to make a course. It was in there, but you know what? It spared my mom and probably many other people who had been praying too. And my mom, that, that time after that, I mean, she was a big cheerleader for the Lord. She's like, I know God answers prayer because it floored everybody. Even the meteorologists are like, why did this thing just all of a sudden, it's barreling down and it's coming in like a freight train. All of a sudden it just goes, and then over. Unheard of. <laughs> Pretty interesting stuff. But can God take Rahab and can he sustain her and cause everything around it to, to, to crumble? It's a piece of cake for the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? What is your mountain? What is your mountain tonight? Because everyone's got a mountain. They've got something in front of them that's very difficult. You've got something in front of you that seems like insurmountable. The odds are just too, too, too great. Well, let me ask you, how big is your God? And really, seriously, how big is your God? Is he a small God? See, sometimes I, I limit God by my faith. It, it doesn't mean that he's, he's, un, you know, he's unchanged. He can't be affected by who he really is. But I love it when we respond in faith, as Rahab did, he will move everything around you and shake the tree, and you're the only one left standing. Do you have that kind of belief in God? Do you want that kind of belief in God? Do you know that you can have it? Draw close to him. Get close to him. Trust him. Believe in who he says he is. Is he the God who made everything, or is it just a bunch of nonsense? Did God somehow cause evolution to happen on day one, somewhere between day one and day two? Did, what, was there millions of years interposed in between those? I don't think so. I know so that it's not that way. He created. He spoke. 
And if he spoke something out of nothing and made something out of nothing, is he able to change something in your life, in your world, and to help you in an area where it seems like all the odds are against you and it's impossible? I love it. That, that, those are the times when he loves to shine. But you've got to get on your knees. You've got to say, Lord, I need your help. Are you so self-confident and self-assured in your own method of doing things? Or are you going to humble yourself and say, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's beyond me, God. If you don't show up, I'm going to be toast. It's that simple. And he responds to, to desperation. I fear in our country we're no longer desperate. No longer desperate. We've become so self-confident, so self-assured in, the, in our financial planning. We, we're, we're relying on our 401k. We're relying on our job. We're relying on something, and we think everything's just going to go, and we become self-confident. We no longer need God, even in the church. Do you need God? I need him. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, verse 25, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day. Notice, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And when Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. Now, this is interesting because... Jericho was destroyed. And it doesn't mean that people weren't inhabiting that area or even in the the city at different times or near there or very close to it. It doesn't mean that that wasn't, that that couldn't happen. But do you notice the specifics? It says, Cursed be the man who rises up and builds, rebuilds the city. It's already been flattened. But the man who rebuilds the city, because you'll see later on in the scriptures that the children of Israel, they lived around that area, and they lived in, you know, kind of in that area and stuff like that. It wasn't talking about inhabiting around there or even near there. It's talking about rebuilding it. And this prophecy, it's interesting, 500 years later, in 1 Kings chapter 16, it's recorded for us. It was during the day when Ahab was the king of Israel. Remember Ahab and Jezebel, one of the worst kings that Israel ever had? Well, during his time and during uh, the time when Asa was king of Judah, it says that in his days, in the times of Ahab, it says, in his days, 1 Kings 16, verse 34, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. So this man decided that he was, regardless of the prophecy, I don't believe that nonsense anyway, right? That's what he's thinking. I'm going to rebuild this. It's a great place. Great place for position. I mean, look at the military. Size this thing up, man. It's a great place to live. Going to rebuild it, make us something new again. And during the process of time, as he's rebuilding this city, his firstborn, Abiram, dies. And when he's setting up the gates, which is really the final, trying to you know set up the final thing, his young with his youngest son, his, his other son Segub, he dies as well, and the prophecy is fulfilled. And you even go there today, and it still lies in ruins. Still lies in ruins. You drive right by it on Highway 90. 
So the Lord, verse 27, was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. I don't know about you, but I find this so exciting, don't you? Just the, the, the event of, but it required discipline, didn't it? It required obedience and faith. You know, it's recorded for us in Ezekiel that God would have Ezekiel when he was, remember, he was one of the captives that went to Babylon. And he's ministering to the children of Israel when they were taken captive to Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah was, he stayed in Jerusalem with, the, with those who remained in Jerusalem during that, that time. But Ezekiel got taken, he got deported with the other Jews, and he's in Babylon ministering to them. And while he's there, and he's talking about, he's warning them, because the destruction of Jerusalem hadn't happened yet. Nebuchadnezzar started his siege in 606 B.C., and it wasn't for 20 years afterwards, 20 years, that he destroyed in 586 the temple. But all that time, 20 years, as he's up north in Babylon and he's ministering to the Jews in Babylon, God is giving him things to do. I want you to lay on your side, Ezekiel, for so many days. I forget the number of days. Lay on your side over a hundred days. I'm sure he didn't lay there the whole time. I'm sure he was there for probably several hours and then got up and went home, had dinner, took a shower, and then came back the next day and did the same thing. And everyone's looking at him. And then God tells him to build these little, little caricatures of, of what's going to happen to Jerusalem. Write these things down because I'm going to tell my people what's coming, what hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. And you write it down because I've given you exactly what's going to happen. To encourage their faith and also to tell them, hey, guess what? Jeremiah, we just got word from him that we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of our captivity. The Lord revealed to him 70 years. What are, you, are you willing to do, be obedient to the Lord even though it seems kind of silly? Again, the Lord's not going to cause you to do something against his will. He's not going to cause you to do something uh, that, uh, that's contrary to the word of God. If, if you think you hear something in your head saying, go grab that lady's purse and run off with it, you can pretty much say, mm, I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. Right? There's a lot of people listening to the other spirit. But if the Lord knocks on the door of your heart and says, you know what? There's a house three, down, three houses down from you. There's a single mom with three kids. She's working two jobs, and she can barely just make it. Would you just go and tell her I love her and buy her just this week, just this week, go buy her the groceries because this is when she needs it the most because her kids had to get glasses. Her kids had a, a medical condition, and it sapped her for everything that she had. They don't even have room for groceries. Don't even have money for groceries. Just this week, just go and do it. And then you go and you buy the groceries or you go there and you take her to the store and she tears are streaming down her eyes. How'd you know this was the day the Lord told me to come? <laughs> I didn't want to do it, to be honest with you. I thought it was just my own thoughts, my own head. And then you, in obedience, you do it. And then you see the tears stream and she gives her heart to the Lord. Things like that happen all the time. Maybe you, they've happened to you. But see, that's what this chapter is about. Obedience. Does it make sense? Probably not. Is it going to be right? Yes, it will be. Is it going to affect somebody forever? Yeah, it probably will. Simple things like this. This is where the church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. And not be so cold-hearted 
the Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And he's speaking about the church. We see all these things around us in our hearts. We, if we're not careful, we can get hard-hearted. And God is saying, will you let me water that heart again? Rob, your, your attitude is so, it's getting so weird. Where, where are you? Where are you these days? Why are you spending so much time watching the news when you should be in my word where I can give you peace and I can give you the real manna, the hidden manna? I want to give you the really good stuff, but instead you're feeding yourself all this junk. It's no wonder you feel washed up. It's no wonder you don't want to come to church anymore. It's no wonder you're prayerless. No wonder you don't come to prayer on Tuesday night. No wonder you don't pray at all. It's about obedience. God is calling to that uh, to, for us today. You know, didn't he say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, and my commandments aren't grievous? I mean, really, think of it. We just have to be obedient. Love him enough. Let's, let's do that. Let, let's stand together. And, you know, let's just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, if you cause me to do something really strange tomorrow, within your will, of course, and, and, and within your heart, Lord, Help me to be willing to obey that still small voice and just see what happens. Just see what happens. And you may be the most surprised that it was him leading you. The Lord does that. Did you guys hear the event? How many of you were here last Sunday? Last Sunday I shared what happened to Jen Dolly, right? Lady in our fellowship. Lord spoke to her. She was in her kitchen. Gets a little text on her cell phone. Missing girl. And the Lord told her exactly where to go. <laughs> and she's thinking to herself, many of us ago, uh, I don't think that was, that's just, uh, no, it couldn't be. Right? What are the odds? Right? We think too much. We need to heart too much. Stop thinking too much and, and let this take over. Let God take over. But she, she was obedient. And she saved this young teenage girl who was certainly going to die of hypothermia if they hadn't gotten to her. Isn't that wonderful? God speaks to you in that still small voice just as he is he's speaking very clearly to the children of Israel. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go around six times. And on the seventh time, seventh day, seven times. And then at the opportune moment, you just shout when the trumpet goes. And you're going to watch it happen. That sounds too simple, Lord. doesn't sound like anything I learned at West Point. Just do it. Just do it. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord. And we confess that, Lord, sometimes we have thought about things way too much. We think too much with our head and not too much with our hearts. Lord, change that in each one of us. Lord, help us to be willing to hear you and to hear with that still, small voice that you're speaking. And Lord, to step out in faith, especially when it gets us out of our comfort zone, and and to help or bless someone else with a kind word, with provision, with something. Lord, help us to just try it and, and, and just see what you do. Lord, help us. And bless the church, Lord. Encourage us, Lord. Strengthen us in the faith. Keep us in your word, Father, and make us people of prayer. 
Father, stir us up again. Fan the flames. Fan the coals that have grown dark, Lord, and fan them with a red again. And they're... We need you. Would you please do this in Jesus' name? Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.